This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. That naughty Neil Druckmann is at it again. Nintendo knows you'll pay £900 for the new Zelda. And Suicide Squad has been personally delayed by this week's guest. This is VGC, a video game podcast with me, Jordan Midler, Andy Robinson and Jeff Grubb. How are we doing, folks? Jeff, lovely to have you finally on our turf for a, for a change instead of on Giant Bomb. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling off balance. I don't <laughs> like it. I can see you have the high ground and... You're Scot- uh, you, you and McGregor Scottish, right? You and McGregor Scottish, yeah. Yeah, so you're a Scottish man with the high ground. I'm doomed here. I'm gonna yeah. be I'm gonna be laying in the, the lava here any second now. As you deserve to be. Andy, how are you? <laughs> the the epic trip to Japan creeps ever closer. How is that going? Yes, yeah. I'm counting down the days until I clear off uh, to a different time zone where there's no video game news, I understand. Um, <laughs> and I can can just not think about it at all. I mean, is this the longest you've ever prepared for a trip to Japan? I feel like you have yes, every minute yes. sorted now. I booked it before the pandemic. So historically, probably the worst time in history to book a vacation that there will be or has been uh, January 2020. Um, I remember when the, when the uh, cruise ship kind of rolled up. Remember that was uh, they had a cruise ship in Tokyo with people that had Corona on it. And I remember mm. my missus being like, oh, do you, you know. Do you think this is going to disrupt our vacation? Nah, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> man, I forgot about that cruise ship. That's right, man. Mm. I remember I remember she was like going, oh, you know, I'm really worried about, you know, how that's going to go there. And, and I remember saying, do you honestly think that they're going to handle it worse than when it comes to Britain? <laughs> I mean, we Which, were kind of the Hall of Fame for destroying the country as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But speaking of destroying the country, we'll have chat about the end of the Last of Us TV series in the second half of the show. We'll also have VGC's answer to Paul Heyman, Chris Scullion, to talk to me about WWE 2K23. But before that, let's get into the headlines. Story number one, Neil Druckmann has been talking about Naughty Dog's next unannounced game. Naughty Dog co-president Neil Druckmann has explained the process the studio went through when deciding which game to develop next. In an interview with Kinda Funny, which I think is some kind of independent small time outlet I've, I've not kids yelling on the street i believe yeah i'm not sure about <laughs> that so do be a source here but druckman was asked if he felt under pressure to create another hit ip like the last of us or uncharted which naughty dog owner sony could turn into a multimedia franchise and support for years to come druckman responded by saying that the studio's success had afforded it the luxury of being able to choose what to work on and what it's most passionate about quote i am very lucky that i don't have to think like that i joined a studio that was already so successful that we could kind of be prima donnas and just do whatever we want. I know not everybody has that privilege, but it's something. But it's not something I take lightly. And Druckmann wasn't willing to say if the next game is going to be The Last of Us Part 3 or something else. I go to you first, Jeff Grubb. Firstly, what do you want to see Naughty Dog do next? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, they, listen, they're, they, the games they're making these days aren't my type of game for the most part. I, I, I'm glad they make the games for the people that like them. Uh, I, um, 
I, listen, I like the the line that we are working on the stuff that we get that we like to work on, and we get, have that privilege. I uh, think that's a little bit of um, sort of manifesting to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Uh, he's saying that to Sony as well as to us. He's like, Sony, we're going to yeah. work on what we want to work on. Deal with it. And yeah, I think Sony's like, oh, oh, oh okay, yeah. I mean, you, you <laughs> kind of. I guess we kind of have to listen to you a little bit. Like you are that studio right now, but you're that studio right now. Sony's got a handful of those. Not not a, they got a couple of those studios, but Bungie's also that way. And that's you know not necessarily under PlayStation, but. Bungie's definitely like, we're going to, Sony owns us, not PlayStation. So when Jim Ryan comes knocking on the door, sometimes we're just not going to answer. And it's like, well, that's got to be frustrating to Jim Ryan. And then he's going to turn around, go to his you know number one studio, Naughty Dog, and kind of get similar treatment. At a certain point, that's going to run out. And uh, it's yeah. not going to run out anytime soon. But at a certain point, it's like Jim Ryan's going to be like, we need what we need. Because we're like, we are the one part of Sony Corporation making money. We are the one part that is uh, in in the black here. And we're, we're looking for every single angle at which we can make money. And that means, so, we, we, you know, we're, we're kind of going to get to what we're, we're nickel and diamond people as much as we can because we need to be maximizing profits. And that means Naughty Dog should be maximizing profits too. That said, that, that like when they get to, when they sit down at that table, Neil Druckmann will be saying these same same exact things. Like you know, we've built this media empire for you that you have now, and with with Last of Us, so let's work on what we work on. All that said, I think they want to work on the Last of Us Part Three. I think that's yeah. probably actually what they're making. You know, there's definitely you know rumors out there flying around about that's one of the things they're working on at the very least uh they also have factions i think they might do something in between that and 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 like in between last of us part three and what like what they do next like there might be something there but um as far as what i want from them i do something team racing yeah yeah do something like (laughs) with uh blue sky and some fun stuff and cartoon characters i think that would be pretty cool you are the enemy of the people. Yes, Andy, I am. Um, what, what do you think about this? Where do you see Naughty Dog going for the rest of the PS5 generation? Um, I, I agree with um, most of what Jeff said. Um, I get the, the distinct impression that Neil Druckmann has obviously got a growing power uh, within SIE. Um, and I totally agree that this statement is as much a statement to Sony as it is to to the fans. Um, I My guess would be that they probably want to do something original um, just because of how long these games take to make now. I mean, they've probably been working on The Last of Us for the best part of like 20 years, right? <laughs> um, uh, that's not much of an exaggeration. Uh, but at the same time, what Jeff says is absolutely true. Even if that is the case, I think there's going to come a point where they're just going to be told you need to, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, to pivot that towards The Last of Us. Um, because it's now, I mean, they've just released a TV show. It's difficult to understand how successful that was. I mean, it's, it's had more viewers than the, um, the Game of Thrones spinoff. Um, so it's been hugely successful. We all know people, uh, anecdotally who haven't played the game, who've watched that show and now are interested in the game. I imagine the PC version is probably going to be a huge hit when that comes out. Mm. The live service game is obviously in the works, um, which which I'm I think we're going to see later this year. I think they said that. They've got, um, yeah, they're, they've said that they're going to show it later this year, and I'm predicting yeah, it will be June thirteenth because that's ten years since the release of the original game. That's such an easy marketing beat to do. It's like right in the middle of E three week. Are they going to do something during E three week though? It would it would steal some attention back if they if they just did like a random live stream. I like, it. like a bit of Bold, the, a bit I like of the it. game. 
So yeah, it's it's interesting, especially when Neil Druckmann just bringing him back in here says, "quote I know the fans really want Last of Us Part Three. I hear about it all the time, and I can all I can say is, look, we're already into our next project, so the decision has already been made. I can't say what it is, but that's the process we went through, and there was a lot of consideration of different things. We picked the thing we're most excited for. To me, this is probably they'll probably position this the same way The Last of Us Part 2 was positioned in the sense that it's like the end of the PlayStation 5 generation because these games take so long to make and they are such like showpieces. Does Naughty Dog let another PlayStation internal studio take a Last of Us like side story? I mean, but who who is there, right? I mean, these I mean, games take so long to make. And they tried, like the visual arts group tried to step in and be that team for Uncharted and I know that the reporting was like, oh, then the, it was the Last of Us remake. Actually, they also tried to do it with Uncharted, uh, and 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 it's uh, it, they like Naughty Dog was like, oh, very cool. That's our project now, and yeah. no, we're not going to let you do that. Okay, so you're not going to make Uncharted. You're not going to let this other studio that was very amped up to step up and become that team. Uh, you're not going to let them do it. And it's like that drove some of the like so the, the main talent, the senior talent, out of visual arts groups. They're like, oh, c- clearly, like Sony doesn't trust us, uh, so we have to go leave if we're going to do our own thing um so i i who knows maybe that the, the, this was still this is years ago a couple years ago at this point things could soften realities could settle in uh your position as neil Druckmann could solidify at sony interactive entertainment as opposed to being the head of naughty dog like th- these things can uh change your perspective and but, but it's like okay well then do we try to go to visual arts group and does that team there even still want to try to do that eh, maybe maybe we have to find something completely new finding a team and and even uh, attracting talent to a team but like building a team from scratch all that stuff is so so hard these days it, yeah. it's the kind of thing where i i do not think these publishers are uh looking they're not eager to try to attempt that because it would they're going to be competing with a bunch of other com- publishers that are are looking for talent like crazy and they're the startup market which is still super duper hot where every uh, person who's ever worked at Blizzard is getting $50 million in seed funding to go start their new studios. Yeah, um, I think from the from the perspective of what Naughty Dog will do next if they were to do a part three, I always thought that doing a part two was a bad idea until I played it, and I was like, okay, they've justified it. I think doing that again for part three still gives me the kind of internal feelings of two ended on such a strong note. It could be seen as the best duology of games like of this kind of and it's, modern it's, it's, era. it's not like it would be like a knee-jerk either right i mean the second game basically sets up a continuation yeah um and i'm pretty sure they've already said they have an outline for a third game yeah like, well, i'm, I'm yeah. sure they said that yeah Drunk i'm, I'm sure that. that's the kind of conversations you have even if you don't plan to do a third game you just go well blue sky what could happen and obviously the characters are set up in such a way from the end of two. Well, but I can't I wait to play it on PlayStation 6 anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I also imagine, as as Andy mentioned, the success of the TV show makes us a different proposition because another game means more material for more seasons. Um, obviously, season two is currently being um, um, in pre-production and there is absolutely no way that that second game is only a second season worth of a show. That's probably season three as well. I think in the the interview with Kind of Funny, I didn't watch it, but I, I saw some of the headlines. I think they said as much, or maybe this was some from somewhere else. Yeah. Like they've already said publicly that the second season would not just be just the second game or be able to cover the entirety of the second game. Yeah. Yeah, so, so they probably got at least another two seasons just out of the second game, right? Yeah, you 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 would imagine so, and uh, and there's like year, there's like years took place between uh, the first game and the second game. They could f- fill in some stuff with that as well. I mean, and they might want to do that. 
uh, just based on how long it's going to take for a any sort of follow-up from Naughty Dog to come, so that would give them more time to, like, you know, drip feed what is what is in Last of Us Part 2 instead. Yeah, I always wanted that, like, sci-fi game they were teasing all the way through Last of Us Part 2, like, with all the, the, like, superhero characters and stuff like that. I always thought that'd be an interesting left turn, but we'll have to wait and see. Pay 90 quid for it when it comes out, but you know what you're going to pay 70 quid for, or 70 dollars at least? The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and Nintendo thinks you'll say thank you. Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser has said the company expects The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom to justify its $70 price tag. The company announced last month that the upcoming game costs $69.99, marking the first time it's charged more than $59.99 for the standard edition of a digital Switch title. In a recent interview, Nintendo US boss was asked how the platform holder reached the decision. He said, quote, we look at what the game has to offer, Bowser told Associated Press. I think the, the, I think fans will find this an incredibly full, deeply immersive experience. The price point reflects the type of experience that fans can expect when it comes to playing this particular game. Jeff, I heard you talking on one of your 40 million podcasts that you also do about how they're charging this because they can get away with it because it is, 100%, yeah. because oh, yeah. it is Tears of the Kingdom. Here's my question. Switch 2? Did they jump to 70 for all of their first party stuff? Yeah, so along the line, uh, when they, as they've been explaining this, they said stuff like, this isn't a trend, it'll be a game-by-game decision, and it's like, very soon they're going to be like, and we've decided for every game, it's $70. Like, yeah. it's going to happen very, yeah, Switch 2 for sure. I mean, they they will still have their budget titles, which switched switched from like thirty to forty to fifty this generation, except for Metroid Prime Remastered. For some reason, is forty, but uh, so like so like WarioWare, Get It Together, I think was fifty dollars. They'll still have stuff like that, uh, and that will, but that'll be sixty now. Um, yeah, everything else is going to be seventy. Metroid Prime Four, I think, is very likely to be seventy dollars, regardless of where you're playing it. I think yeah. so. This is this is them. I mean. First of all, they look around, they're like, our games are worth more than everyone else's games anyhow, so why are we charging less? That's crazy, <laughs> especially for Zelda. Uh, but but they're, yeah, very quick, they're going to realize, yeah, there's not going to be any backlash. The game's going to sell just as fine. Uh, if you can raise the price and not see any detrimental effect, really, which is very the very likely scenario here, um, you have to, you're, you're almost compelled as a business to raise your price. So, like, there's nothing stopping you, and you shouldn't. Yeah, Andy, what's your, what's your vibe check on it and your vibe well, check on Nintendo That's, that's the bottom forward? line, is that, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you can't charge $70 for a Switch game, it's an old platform. It's aging. Well, they can, they'll charge what you'll pay for it. And people will gladly pay $70 uh, for Breath of the Wild 2, or, or Tears of the Kingdom, as it's, it's known as these days. Um, I don't think they've raised the price in Europe. Um, I might be wrong there. I, I seem to think that it's still like, I mean, it's already with the conversion. Right, it's already more dollars anyway. Yeah, they're um, probably like, that's fine. We already got them. But that, that's that's <laughs> that's the bottom line, right? I mean, if these companies can, uh, um, if people will pay it, then they will price, price these games at, at the higher price point. Um, I, I think is there's also an, uh, the interesting narrative in the background is that people are buying less B-tier games now. This is the repercussion of the the you know the cost of of living squeeze and everything that's going on in the world is that we've seen quite an alarming amount of kind of um smaller um double a whatever you want to call them titles um kind of do uh, less than expected um i mean obviously there was uh, ubisoft recently was was saying about how rabbits um the rabbit sequel you know great game 
has, has not kind of reached their expectations. I'm not sure if that was totally fair, but we've also seen Midnight Suns absolutely bomb to the point where the studio head's gone, the creative director's gone. Um, and that is that you can see that replicated across the, the whole industry at the moment. Um, the, the, you know, these, these um, kind of smaller games are doing less, so therefore they need to bank more on their, their bigger games doing well. I mean, all anyone's playing right now is basically um, Hogwarts and um, that, that Children of the Forest game. Yeah, like, Sons of the Forest, that's, yeah. That's it, right? Sons, Sons of the Forest. I mean, Metroid's done pretty well. Like, it seemingly, it's done pretty well. Uh, I mean, it's... it's Man, that, $40, which, which, though. That helps. Of course, and it also um, shows that you can you can do well still if you, you, you kind of... Um, you drop things in the right way. Obviously, the, the, the Shadow Drop worked. Um, it's interesting to see... Uh, Hi-Fi Rush on Game Pass. I mean, it's obviously done what? Like, I think they said they had like 2 million players, which for me was sort of like, is that it? Like, I bet Metroid Prime's done 2 million and it cost $40. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was like 2 million seemed pretty low for that, I, I thought. Yeah, so that, that surprised me a little bit. So we're still in, in a bit unknown territory, I think. Um, and, you know, games like Midnight Suns are kind of like warning lessons to publishers now that they can't sort of take the piss like they did a bit in the um, pandemic where it's like, you know what, we're just going to drop this thing, you know, do some PR and people will buy it. Um, you know, it, it shows that publishers still need to do their job. They still need to market games well. They still need to price them well. Um, you know, they still need to release them at the right time, which again is another good point. That game was $70, you know with this weird mashup that probably no one outside of the gaming press really knew what the hell it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually wanted to ask you, Andy, and I'll bring you on this as well, Jeff. Last week we had this story about the potential issues that um, a Switch 2 could face with backwards compatibility, um, citing findings from MVG. Now, we get to Switch 2. It's the end of this year. Obviously, the question becomes... What do they do with the biggest Switch titles, e.g. the Pokemon games? Do you think paid upgrades? Do you think they just work? Do you think... What What do you think, Andy? What do you think their approach will be? Um, I think um, kind of predicting Nintendo um, at any time is, uh, is, is a huge um, risk, right? Because no one really knows what they're going to do. But I mean, I guess if you, you look at historically what they've done, um, especially with their handhelds, they include the previous hardware. I mean, the next hardware, at least in their first iterations, um, to for backwards compatibility, right? So I think MVG, a lot of his, um, his analysis was based on the fact, well, if they're going to change the chipset of these machines, it's really not going to be as straightforward as a lot of people think to, to have Switch games automatically compatible. I mean, I, I think especially for PS5, um, it was a, a kind of a, a bit of a giant task for them to you know, get all of these games up and running. I mean, if you remember at the launch time, it was like they, they, there was never a commitment to like where things going to work. It was almost like a case by case basis. And they managed to get X hundreds of the most popular games to work. So it might be a case of that. I mean, I wouldn't be too concerned, but at the same time, who bloody knows, right? We don't know. I think there's a huge amount of assumption that they're just going to bring out a switch to like, which it doesn't fit at all with their track record. Um, that's not their business. You know, their, their whole business is around um, doing new disruptive things, even when it is working. I mean, we, it, it will be interesting because we towed off way more than Switch, you know, currently has. Um, you know, it got found out a bit at the end, we, where it was like, okay, well, you, you've reached this huge mainstream audience, but none of them buy any games. Um, <laughs> and it, that became an issue towards the end. Um, and kind of the the other platform holders caught up quite a lot as well. 
So they haven't been in this scenario before, but even then they like, they completely, you know, you know, reinvented what their platform was with the second screen on the Wii U, uh, et cetera. So I don't know. It's an interesting talking point, but really it's a complete mugs game to predict what Nintendo are going to do with a platform. The only thing I'd say is probably a given is that it's going to be another hybrid console, whatever their next platform is, yeah, because they, they combined be. their um, their handheld and uh, home console divisions, you know, r- before Switch came out. It was it was clear that that was the route forward for anyone kind of paying attention to their 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 structure. So it's not as if they're suddenly going to, um, you know, have a have a, a console that's just on a TV again. I don't think. Yeah, that that would seem like absolutely outlandish. I know someone who loves making predictions about what Nintendo's going to do. So Jeff, <laughs> grab. Um, how are you feeling? What do you think? Switch two backwards compatibility. When's it going to launch? Give me a specific date. Yeah, I don't have any hair left to bet, so I guess I'll just uh, I'll go for it. Uh, I uh, think that it probably will be mostly um, uh, just. I think it's mostly going to work, and I think it's mostly going to work because Nvidia is going to be like, I, yeah, we 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 got this long term deal with you. Like we said, we said when we started this, we're going to be working together for twenty years. We want to make this go as smooth as possible. We have a massive software technology team here at NVIDIA that is designed to solve problems exactly like this. So uh, as we you know present you hardware that we want you to buy from us for years and years and years, uh, here's some uh, solutions to go that would that this hardware is going to introduce. Um, I, I think that's very likely, actually. And I think you know, NVIDIA has solved those kinds of problems before, and I, so I think that this won't be too much of an issue, but, but because of that. Um, and then I think, you know, whether that, like, what does that actually look like for, for the end user? I think for the most part, and this is based on uh, Nintendo, what Nintendo said in terms of investor meetings, saying that we expect the money that we make from our digital subscriptions and, and our digital sales to be like at this number now, and it's just going to keep going up, and there's not going to be any bumps in the road. And so it's like it's going to be as contiguous as possible from one generation to the next is, is what they're implying. And the way you get there is you make people feel good about like all the things you have is already, are already there. So you're going to keep buying games the way you have before, and then on, on top of that, you're going you're going like the subscription model is going to like have the all the same stuff and we're just going to keep building on it so i i expect a lot of continuity and i, I think it's mostly going to work yeah, yeah that's, that's a really good point they have um kind of hammered home in a lot of their um kind of business uh business business um kind of documents they put out about the importance of having some continuity going forward now about how their challenge over the last 20 30 years has been this 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 um disruptive like rebuild you know and then start again rebuild start again um uh, so the the hints the hints are there especially on the service side yeah it seems like transitioning the switch to in a way that doesn't make customers happy would be pr suicide speaking of suicide suicide squad kill the justice league could be delayed until 2024 settle down After last week's show, a Bloomberg source claimed that Warner had decided to push the title it previously announced to come out in May to release in the second half of 2023. Following that report, which Warner has yet to officially comment on, someone called Jeff Grubb said that a reliable source had told him that Rocksteady's game may not arrive until next year. I'm not going to do the impression, Jeff. I was so tentative. I'm not going to... (laughs) I don't want to cause panic or anything, but I've heard it's not even coming this year. I'm here in 2024. Earlier this evening, I heard they're like, this is a delay-ass delay. Like, this is a bigger delay than it even being put out there. We'll see. This stuff is hard to nail down for sure. I'll say that this source has always been a really good one. There you go. Now, since you're here, 
tell us your source. No, what, <laughs> what, what is the vibe? Is this, is Joe, this Biden. What, <laughs> Joe Biden? <laughs> AI President Joe Biden. Uh-huh. Um, is this still what you're hearing? A Suicide Squad, a 2024 game? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, right. It's I think um, I'm still here in 2024, but I, I, also it's like, you know, they're clearly internally trying to figure out what to do here. Because it's this was not the plan during that state of play, which just happened like a few weeks ago, right? So they're like, okay, well that didn't go great. We need to reassess what do we do here. And I, I think, um, I think, I think the May release date's actually still on the table. But I, I, I think the 2024 is is the most like if they do delay it, it seems like it'll be a pretty big delay. It's just that's so expensive, and for and to what end are they really going to be able to turn? the 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 really rotten sort of uh, feeling about feelings about this game into a positive uh regardless of how long they delay it at a certain point it's like suicide squad is, is getting this reaction because uh it's very easy to be dismissive of the suicide squad as an ip um and and so like when you then when you see stuff that like doesn't drive with the kinds of games you want then it's easy to build this case of like well this looks stupid and it's a fun thing to make fun of and i don't know how they stand against that regardless of how long they delay it now i think that if they if they do delay it to 2024, it's because people inside that team have been saying we actually do need more time on this game, and I think it's part of the reasons of why you know the, the, the Rocksteady founders are bouncing out because they're internally they're like yeah either we're going to rush this game out and fire and forget it or it's going to need a lot more time and in either scenario we kind of we're kind of done we don't want to deal with this anymore so yeah uh, we'll see I, I, I'm I'm very interested to see what like Warner Brothers actually comes out and says when they do announce anything regarding a delay or not. Um, if I were them, though, I would just release it and forget it and move on. You got Hogwarts <laughs> Legacy. Count your W's, count your L's, and move on. Maybe uh, they're delaying it to turn it into a Harry Potter game. That's that would work, right? <laughs> now that would that would make business sense. I would love Absolutely. to see Harry Potter with a gun. That would rule. Suicide Squad kill the Slytherin Quidditch team. Yeah, um, I can't wait to see how that game runs on the last gen consoles and on the Switch because it didn't run tremendously on current gen consoles. So that will be hilarious. Andy, what do you think? What did you think of this news? And what did you think of the footage of Suicide Squad shown? Um, well, it's, it's interesting because some of the people I've spoken to who are working on that game actually got a lot of positive things to say about it. Especially like compared to um, Gotham Knights, right? Like you know, I've I've been told that this is not another Gotham Knights. Like that, everyone who's working on it is is actually quite optimistic about the you know kind of combat loops they've they've made and and the, the game world and things like that. That's what looks good. Is the, the 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 actual combat, j- jumping around, shooting. Mm. Yeah. So I I yeah, from what I've heard, I'd kind of be surprised if they're really like, you know, kind of rebuilding it in any significant way because it's only quite positive. I mean, to come back on your comments as well, Jeff, about the the co founders like Sefton Hill uh leaving. I mean, I, I was digging into that as well. And and again, I was told, no, it's legit, you know, they're leaving for family reasons. It's just, you know, at that point. I mean, it, it certainly it doesn't look great from how long that game's been worked on and and you know, allegedly they're working on another project. Um, in between that got cancelled um, but I'm, I'm told that no that's all legit they are just leaving because they want to spend more time with their families um, so yeah I, I was I was surprised because again to your point why don't they just put it out at this point I mean what are you going to do turn it into like yeah put, put Harry Potter characters in it like what are they meaningfully going to do no idea. that is going to change the opinion of people who don't want to play a live service game with like spammy sh- jumpy shooting yeah. like i just i don't know i mean it has to be 
to Jeff's point again, it has to be the voice within the team that they are generally like, look, we could make this, you know, significantly better if we do X. Maybe they take the live service stuff out. Don't know. Maybe they're going to make it work offline. Who knows? That just making it work offline would at least be a nice wee PR thing of like, we've heard you, we've listened, it works offline. Yeah. Even if and that you're doesn't... still not going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they if they come out here and advertise this and it's like from the team behind the Arkham trilogy and people who remember those games who aren't like super dialed in get this game and it's like the division starring Harley Quinn. Like, I think it's going to rub people really the wrong way. Um, but it just, I did not expect this to be the way Rocksteady's kind of studio journey went following Arkham Knight. After Arkham Knight, it, it reminds like they me of the old days, right? Like back in back 10, 15 years ago, every publisher was working on their own World of Warcraft. Um, you know, they all jumped on the trend and those games in, in those days, it was, it was, it was a lot easier to put games out in a couple of years. Right. But the MMOs were more like, you know, t- today's kind of time span for AAA games where you're committing to spending like at least five years working on this thing. And by the same a lot of time, a lot of them came out, people had moved on from World of Warcraft and they just all like kind of bombed on their ass. And it reminds me of that where like everyone's like just arriving with their destiny you know, to the point where people are a little burnt out on that. And, and hey, guess what? Single player games are, are back in vogue. I mean, how good would a bloody another um, kind of Arkham game do right now? Yeah. yeah. Especially like being positioned as a next gen or, you know, the you know current gen exclusive or whatever, where it's like, oh, yeah, this is a PS5. This is a reason to get your PS5 and your Xbox Series X. Uh, the same way that, like, you know, regardless of the, the past-gen versions existing for Hogwarts Legacy, a lot of people got those new consoles to play Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, they would go, I think, buck wild for something that was like a Batman game like that. But yeah, I wouldn't I, be surprised if we see a remake of some sorts, because that's usually what happens when you're in yeah, a rut. Totally. You need to recruit people. You need to put something out quicker. It's easier to, to do a remake um, than it is to kind of come up with something completely original. Right, yeah. remake has become the... Um, this tool that developers and publishers use to uh, make money while also training up the new staff. Like, yes, exactly. That's, it's, I mean, it's like real smart. Um, I mean, it works out for everybody because everyone likes them for the most part. Yeah, the motive, motive have done it with Dead Space before they do Iron Man. Yep. Um, the Toronto, Ubisoft Toronto, are doing it with Splinter Cell to recruit back up after everyone pissed off from there. I mean, Metroid Prime Remaster is definitely like yep, getting uh, another like, one. Let's yep. get, but like, let's get familiar with that first game and why people loved it while also, you know, making that and getting being able to sell it again. Yeah, I, w- I was personally hoping that they would take the same approach and put out, like, Skate 2 Remake before they make me wait 50 years for the new Skate, but we'll get there. But they still won't let me in their technical test. I apply every single time. But isn't isn't get... that just the same game, though? It's like remaking FIFA 17 Don't care. before they do Don't, 24. Who are you talking to? <laughs> right? who are you, I mean, I, 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 those are the kind of games that get, get my brain worrying. So, um, Jeff, when's Skate coming out? You know EA. Yeah. I, You're I mean, Johnny I... EA. I, I can I can ask around again. It's it's still long. Fifty years is what I heard. Actually, yeah, fifty years. You were right. I, nope. That game seems like a real fun time. The idea of just twenty five people hanging out in a server and everyone can be building at the same time, just putting stuff in front of people. That sounds like a good idea for that kind of game and i'm very excited to see if it clicks with that audience yeah i just wanted to be chaos i wanted to be absolute yeah that's chaos. what they're going for yeah, yeah. but then I want, I, want, I want dead space too what, yeah right, that, i mean I, that's that's like real tough right because i mean they 
Iron exactly. Man was always the plan, mm-hmm. but it's like, man, it, Dead Space is gonna is selling so well, and that, that's not too surprising either. I think early on uh, into that development, they knew they had a really good game with Dead Space remake, but it was like Iron Man's still the plan. So I, I interviewed the um, the director last year. Um, I can't remember his name, the um, Canadian chap. Um, and I specifically asked him that, like, you know, this is a problem for you guys, right? Because what if this game comes out and it's a huge hit? And you're kind of clearly using this to build the technology and staff up for Iron Man. Um, and he, you know, kind of very shuffily was like looking at the PR game, do you want to get me killed? And he said, uh, exact quote, <laughs> he said, I will say that we have more than one team. And that's all I'll say. Hmm. Well, wouldn't you just do a new Dead Space instead of a Dead Space 2 is amazing. Yeah, I, I agree, but they, I they, they, they could get Dead Space, Space 2, and it's also, it begins building in new directions, has a lot more new stuff, and mm. that, so that when you go to Dead Space 3, it could be very different. Like, still take some of the stuff from 3, but they would still, it would be very different, and then you start going in a direction where you have a completely new game that doesn't end the universe or whatever, whatever happened in Dead Space 3. <laughs> well, that that's the thing, like, if, if you're going to remake Dead Space 2... That's a couple of years. Remake Dead Space 3. That's a couple of years. By the time you get to the end of that and they're like, okay, a new The Dead Space or Dead Space 4, people might just be like, right, cool. We've been fucking playing them for a decade. Yeah, maybe, but it's like, you know, I guess right now it's like the Capcom strategy is just such a good one. It's like you keep remaking them, then you promise a new one, and I mean, Dead Space is not going to be able to go alternate or whatever like like Resident Evil does, but still, I think people would be ready for something new. Dead Space, because uh, horror games have, I think, have established themselves as a permanent genre that the developers are always going to be able to succeed in if they really nail it. Nostalgia for the Xbox 360 era. I'm happy I'm back in high school. Uh, we will be back in the <laughs> second half of this show to chat about The Last of Us's finale, as well as some WWE 2K23 chat after this. 
And, and really, the lesson is go and work with HBO, you know, and the guy who made Chernobyl. Yeah. I don't think it was that hard. Like this, that was going to be a hit, whatever. As long as the source material was obviously appealing, um, I think what HBO will learn is to, and they clearly have from their comments about how they're going to treat the second game, is not to rush it out. That was my only qualm with it. Is that I felt like it could have been a lot longer. Like the journey felt a little bit rushed but then that said i watched it in a different environment to everyone else i had the the season and i just binged it in like two days so i'll be interested to know if if other people kind of sh- share that sentiment that seems to be the the, the critic you know, i haven't watched the show but that's the criticism I, I, that's most common among people who are just watching on hbo it felt rushed mm. Mm. so, so I, I don't watch- think they'll do that in the next time yeah i watched it week to week with my dad who's never played the games um in, in the final episode, very round vague spoilers, but there is a, a huge action sequence with a lot of violence. He was <laughs> laughing uproariously during it, like he, oh, cool. he, he thought it was Expl- the funniest a lot about you, I thing think. ever. Um, I, I never hear him um, swear; like he's not he's not really a sweary person. But after the last exchange where Joe says you'd only come after her, I just heard him go, "Oh fuck." And I was like, okay, it's got him. He's, he's, he's absolutely in. Um, I didn't think it was particularly rushed. Maybe one more episode, but I thought every episode was kind of... There was no real filler, which you could really easily fall into. No, in but if you, you think, like, if you think there was there was two flashbacks episodes... So I really, they were essential, you, though. Like, so, the, the first, the first, so the journey is sort of like, what, three or four episodes of mm. crossing the country... I felt like the second to last with the the cannibal dude, um, and um, him him kind of um, what's his name Joel being out of action. I f- that could have had a needed a bit more time to breathe. I think yeah. if they spread that a bit, I don't know. I just I just I mean obviously you don't know how something is going to be received. I mean they couldn't have possibly expected this to be no. um, <laughs> as as well received as it has been. So I just, I kind of think that if they'd have done it again, then maybe they, they would have kind of put a bit more in there. So even, even, I mean, episode three is clearly the best one, right? I mean, even like a couple of more of them just flesh yeah. the world out. Well, that that's, the, that is the thing. Like, I wonder, as you say, going forward, how that influences season two, not only because that game is much longer, but there's far more to explain. There's far more characters in that second game. Like you, you could see an argument where the second game is like three seasons worth of stuff. So I wonder if it'll influence it in a way that is less kind of straight adaption. Because I didn't entirely understand the criticisms that the show was a complete adaption because it it wasn't obviously fleshed out. Some characters introduced entirely new ones, or at least visualized characters like Ashley Johnson's appearance and things like this. Um, but yeah, I think for season two. First of all, whoever they cast to play Abby, God bless them. Get off social media and never look at Twitter for the rest of your life. Um, my pick is Florence Pugh, but I think she might be too like big a star to actually do that these days. Um, but I th- I th- I'm really looking forward to it, and I think it will be interesting to see the Last of Us vacation of Amazon's Horizon show and God of War and all these things trying to capture this. Oh yeah, it's going to be interesting to see everyone scramble to turn any (laughs) vaguely narrative uh, video game now into a prestige TV show. I mean, that was already happening before this show, and now this show's happened and those numbers came out, and it's just going to be a feeding frenzy, I think, here uh, for the next couple of years. Like, a a Plague Tale show with the most horrific French accents and annoying little children you can ever imagine. You could could do that easily. Just get your CGI rats. Um, 
I really hope that when they do God of War, they just let Christopher Judge be Kratos. It feels like it would be... You could get away with Troy Baker not being Joel. One, because Pedro Pascal is amazing as Joel and everyone fancies him. But with Christopher Judge, that's just like such an iconic performance. The only problem will be Sonny Soljuk, who plays Atreus, is like 18 now, 19. So he can't play Atreus in the first season, maybe the second and things like that. But it's... um, we're entering an interesting era. Uh, Jeff, if you could pick a TV, uh, game to become a prestige TV show, what would it be? I want a serious answer. Don't name some fucking Game Boy game no one's ever played. Fuck, that's all I was thinking of. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, serious answer. Um, it's It, it actually, because I think it works episodically really well, and I think it could be fun, and it's kind of, a I think, a cheesy answer. But uh, Eternal Darkness for the GameCube, we, mm-hmm. we just replayed that recently. Uh, Backlight wasn't game. too... Yeah, he he wasn't too thrilled with the replay, but I'm like, I think there's still something there. And the storytelling in that game is actually pretty good yeah, with that. Pretty, that it, yeah, like, it's like the long t- like the, the the long string of everyone connected to one another, and you could have that main character in the house, and and like at each episode is just like reading a, a passage in the journal, and and then and that like opens up something new in the house, or like reveals something about something we've seen in the house before. Like that, that's cool. That's a cool idea, and I think it could really work. Yeah, who owns Eternal Darkness? I mean, GameCube Nintendo. remakes are the are the thing at the moment. That that game is trapped with Nintendo. Otherwise, it's I imagine there'll be about five or six of them. <laughs> yes. I mean, it really doesn't take much excuse these days to pump out a horror game on a vaguely well known IP. Yeah, yeah. It's but you know, Nintendo's busy. got that partnership now, and uh, I think Mario that Mario movie is going to make a lot of money, and they're going to run through Donkey Kong and Zelda and everything else pretty quickly, I think. And then it's going to be like, well, what else do we have? Yeah. They're never going to make it a Eternal Darkness show. I'm just trying to talk myself into it. <laughs> um, obviously, the we didn't include this in the news, but last week they showed that Lego Donkey Kong is coming to Lego Mario. I like do it. We, do we get this this feeling that this is kind of they're they're bringing up Donkey Kong for a very specific reason? Oh yes, oh yes, 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 yeah. He's. I mean, listen, that Do- Donkey Kong is clearly a huge part of the movie. I mean, they have the next thing at Universal Studios, Nintendo, Super Nintendo Land is the Donkey Kong expansion. That'll be out in the next, you know, three or four or five years or whatever. You talk to Mike Minotti. I don't know. Uh, but but uh, it, like that's they're clearly like Donkey Kong is the other thing that we're going to be focusing on. He, Donkey Kong's going to get the, his own animated movie next after this for sure. Hmm. Proud to announce Mike Minotti is the voice of Donkey Kong when yeah. um, is it Seth yeah. Rogen that's playing him in this, this? Seth Rogen. Yeah, totally. Jesus Christ when he doesn't come back for the sequel um we are going to now throw to my tag team partner chris scullin and i talking about wwe 2k23 and all the ways you can spend your virtual currency what's up john hey wait they can see me i'm now joined by the voice of the voiceless chris scullin who's been down the wwe 2k23 mines chris how's it going it's good i'll just come up for air um having been down said mines to continue the analogy um and yeah not not bad not bad um you've played a wee bit as well haven't you just a, a tad yeah, I, I just got into it um, yesterday, been working on some other stuff, but I wanted to, to check in because obviously WWE games, they've had some rough years, they've had some good years, they seem to be on a bit of an upswing. What are your first impressions from your time with the game? Yeah, it's a weird one. So my first impressions about 2K23 are uh, a bit a bit muted, but but I think that's, that's a good thing because obviously 2K20 was an absolute dumpster fire and 2K22 was like so much better in every possible way so I think the fact that um, 2K23 feels like just a, 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 an, an iteration 
um, rather than th- th- them trying something crazy again and making an arse of it again is like a good sign. I think they, they did so much good work last year um, that it makes sense that one year later they've not decided to completely abandon all that and totally revamp. The, the, the controls are almost identical. Um, the grappling system's identical. The reversals are identical. Um, you can very easily go from 22 to 23 without even a need for a tutorial. Mm. And for me, in previous wrestling games, I would always look at what's the new match types, what's the new headline feature. So what is that for 2K23? What have they added in? Well, the new, obviously the big new match type is War Games. Sorry, War Games! War Games! War Games! Is, is the main one. Um, and it's okay. It feels like, you, were you properly into like the, the No Mercy era and the Smackdown 2 era, or was that before your time? Or were so you that's, still... just what, that's just when I got started. I got more into like, Here Comes the Pain and Just Bring It, that kind of era. Right. So in, in the in the kind of N64 PS1 era, there was a really hardcore following of wrestling game fans who would buy like Game Sharks and other hacking devices, and then they would share codes for like hacked matches that they'd made themselves. Because <laughs> I remember like someone made like a scaffold match in one of the Smackdown games, and it was basically just a really awkwardly hacked <laughs> where they put some tables at the top of the match at the top of the ring and that, and that was pretty weird so the war games feels a bit like that it feels like a game shark hacked version of a normal match where they just lumped two rings together and mm. it, it's fine it just feels a wee bit awkward going between the rings um and it's a bit early I've, I've not had a chance to dabble too much with it i've played a couple i played a men's match and a women's match um in war games and i've yet to see any kind of cool wee omg moves or whatever they're called now and yeah. any kind of weird gimmicks other than the fact there's two rings um it would be nice if you could do some kind of stuff in between for all i know those moves are in there but at this stage it just feels like a normal match with two rings <laughs> Yeah, so I also played a War Games match. I played uh, the Bloodline, um, so Roman Reigns, the Usos, and Solo Sokoa against uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and uh, modern-day Shawn Michaels. So I thought that could be like a, <laughs> a nice wee kind of fantasy uh, match up there. And as you say, when you get between the rings, there's like a metal grate between the rings. There are a yeah. few moves you can do in there, just DDTs and things like that. It's a bit like, you know, when you get between the ring and the cell and Hell, Hell in the Cell. cell contextual moves it has the yeah. same thing in war games and it just gets a bit busy especially at the mm-hmm. end when you're trying to get the pin having seven ai competitors all flying towards you that game is all those games have always been um challenged when it comes to collision with more than one character so yeah definitely. all of those characters in a confined space somewhat difficult yeah. but they had to do it war games has been part of the programming for a few years now I'm sure Visual Concepts were really hoping they would just do it one year, then stop, so they didn't have to work out how to actually make it work in the game. Um, But speaking of characters like Solo, Sokoa, what are you thinking of the roster this year? I am not completely au fait with current WWE, but it seems pretty up to date. Yeah, I'm 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 the same. I I I I just don't have enough free hours like I used to back in the day to, to keep up to track with these things. So I watch the I watch the pay per views and that's pretty much it at this point. Um, so yeah, it's good. I I think you would need to be a proper proper hardcore WWE fan to to fully appreciate the full roster because I would say at least half of it feels like NXT 
Yeah. Um, and like NXT uh, superstars that I'm not familiar with too much because I don't really watch NXT that much. Um, it's got your fair share of legends and all that, but the, most of them are legends from from last year's game, and including the DLC carried over. So Doink's in there now, like as a base character and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's fairly it's fairly up to date. Sami Zayn's got his kind of Usos T-shirt. Um, it's just unfortunate that, um, as is always the way with these games, it's always going to be at least a few months behind uh, the real programming. So, um, two drops in there as opposed to Piper <laughs> Niven because there's no way they could have, they could have turned that around in time. Um, stuff like that. And Becky Lynch is still dressed in a kind of weird goth get up. Um, yeah, I did see that. I also noticed that actually Sami Zayn's an interesting example because right at the last minute, Sami Zayn left the bloodline and thus is wearing a new Sami Zayn t-shirt that used to say Sami Uso, and now it has a bit of tape over it. They got that yeah. in the game. Now, that is just replacing a, a file on a t- or like a texture on a t-shirt, but that is something yeah. they wouldn't do like a year ago, two years ago. So there's perhaps hope that they're going to keep the game somewhat updated in terms of... Yeah. Like, in the modern era, there's no reason that you have to wait all year for, like, a refresh of logos and things like well, that. Well, when you look at... When you look at um last year's game they they added updates where they kind of quietly dropped in like alternate outfits and stuff so like when Alexa Bliss was um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki ASH um, (laughs) when 2K22 launched Alexa Bliss was in a kind of weird dark mode uh, like gothic uh, horror Bray Wyatt thing and Nikki uh, ASH was obviously in a weird superhero mode and I'm I'm sure that at some point throughout the year they they, they added an update which which gave the kind of normal Alexa Bliss and normal Nikki Cross um, kind of alternates who were already in my faction mode um <laughs> i'm giving you i'm feeding you the segue there um yeah. but but um but then they added those so i'm hoping that in, going forward they'll do that they'll they'll put in a kind of normal i say normal a more normal becky lynch um and that sort of thing and and whatever sammy Zayn ends up doing next carry that gimmick over etc i'm hoping they'll drop in wee updates well, you said it. This is a 2K product, so there's going to be a way to spend the virtual currency. My faction returns, the kind of card-collecting mode. What's new in it this year? Is there any real incentive to play it beyond locking exclusive versions of characters into that mode? I've dabbled. I've not, I've not put a lot of time into it, but there is there's a new kind of live events mode um, where it kind of it's it's separate from the towers because you know they, every week they had a weekly tower where you get a bonus when you complete it. Um, they've now got these live event things which tick away every. They go up for a, like four or five days and then disappear. And um, one of them just now is that you, you've got to fight the bloodline in a in a three man tag match. Um, and depending on they've, they've carried over the objectives. You know, like if you do a taunt and one with a finisher, and you, you can build up points. And depending on how many points you gather in the match, um, you can unlock a different tier of rewards, and you can keep doing it until you unlock all the rewards. Um, so that's a good way of kind of return, making sure you keep returning. Um, other than that, it, it feels. I'm already quite nervous about playing it because it feels like it could be quite compelling this year, uh, like it was last year. But but the one thing that's kind of keeping me back is knowing that like last year it will be impossible i'm a kind of collector i like to 100 percent my games and i already know it's going to be impossible because you would need to spend thousands and thousands and thousands to unlock everything in my faction mode 
Um, so yeah, as long as you come to terms with the fact that you're going to build your faction and not have a complete like set, even even though they make it look like a sticker book, <laughs> um, it will be a sticker book uh, with, with, with with you won't be able to complete and you won't be able to write to Panini and get your the ones that are missing either. Well, that the the only other thing to say about my faction is if it's like last year, the the brave souls of the community creations will strip the models of the exclusive characters out of my faction <laughs> upload them to the creation suite and you can hopefully download them before 2k strikes them chris will have more on wwe 2k23 next week when you're on the show uh get back down those mines i'll well, see you later see you later andy you're a massive wrestling fan who's your favorite wrestler again i don't give a shit <laughs> i don't care do before- not care before we go, we have some listener mail. Last week, I asked what your dream Lego gaming set would be, and Nero from Melbourne, Australia, which if that's just your name, just Nero, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I would love, loving the podcast, which the first bit of good uh, reviews we've had, uh, the, the the fans online really hate us. I don't know about your podcast, Empire, Jeff, but these people that we find to listen to these shows are just the worst, aren't they? Yeah, they, they've, no one's ever said a nice thing about my show, so I just, I, I mostly do it to annoy them now you know you know the score <laughs> loving the podcast my dream lego set from a game would be a lego version of midgar from final fantasy 7 it would include the train that spirals up to the center pillar and all the plates that stretch out over the slums i would sell my left kidney for that you probably would have to considering the price of lego these days it is just they are they're announcing prices for lego and then when they come out they're like ten dollars more expensive and they just go oh inflation all, all <laughs> business terms that you don't get Jeff, are you a collector? You got any? You got any trinkets in that big house of yours? Uh, no, it's it's mostly empty. It's just the ghosts and memories, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's um, I've got. I, I, I try not to be too big of a collector. I um, I if I go down that road, I I'm never satisfied. I always try to fill it up with like, okay, well, I got to get the next thing, the next thing. I want to complete this collection, and I'm never gonna do that because I'm bad at it. But also, but then I'm just like miserable because it's not completed. So I try to avoid it. But I, I do like building Lego and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, I, I got the um, I got a Seinfeld one over there that's unfinished. I'm going to keep building that. And I got the uh, the robot from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, oh, I got right. I got that I have, little one. I have that right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was was that a fun build? It looks like a fun one. Yeah, his head like moves like a like a dog. You know, when a dog's confused, his head yes, goes totally. Like the side. I love it does that. that. So I'm going to build that here at some point. Maybe when that second game comes out. But yeah, for the most part, like collecting things. Uh, I don't even collect the physical games because it's um video games are an experience for me and i'd rather just have the experience i found the the photos from uh, firewatch the other day uh and i find them like once every couple of years and it's like oh yeah i'm gonna go through these photos i got and then when you beat the game they give you the option to have it like that photos actually printed out and sent to your house and it's like oh that's really cool i'm like i wish more games would do that because it makes it feel like that experience you had yeah um my house is full of that including uh I'm not going to show what developer it is because I, I can't talk about it yet, but I was get recently given a developer-branded do-rag at an event. Um, <laughs> All right. Which, I nice. mean, I'm not going to wear that around the streets of Paisley, but it's, it's certainly an interesting thing to add to this mountain of crap in my closet. Andy, wow. you must have It's, it's not, it's not quite as ever. good as the, um, the, the free-foot Saints Row dildo bat. That would never no, be shit. Nothing <laughs> just been around a couple of years ago. I had to... Um, I was called into reception of a large six-story, you know, building in central London. Oh, there's a parcel for you down here. 
So I had to go downstairs in the elevator and collect this giant dildo bat. <laughs> it's a baseball bat with a, with a, so it's a dildo, but from the game, from one of the Saints Row games. And then I had to t- like take that through the sales floor, walk through all the sales floor, um, people who don't work on game stuff with this big dildo bat. Um, I think I think when they closed CBG, um, one of the guys actually um, who, who rode a motorcycle strapped it to his back and just drove it home. Hell yeah, <laughs> man! That might be the coolest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> For next week, can you send us what video game adaptation you'd like to see? Tell us, especially who would star in it, because it's all very well saying I would like the Division series, but does it star Kihei Kwan? He's very hot at the moment. Who can say? Um, he should be in everything. I'm going to guess the do-rag. I don't know what it is. I'm going to guess it's Crime Boss Rock A City. Don't say anything. <laughs> don't say anything. Yep, there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your response to podcast at videogameschronicle.com. That's podcast at videogameschronicle.com. Jeff, you work for a website about video games. What do you have going on this week? Yeah, um, this week where we got a bunch of our normal stuff going on, I nearly got my speed run in Mike Tyson's punch out this week. I was right there at Mike Tyson. I got through without getting defeated, which is like what you have to do to get it. And it's like, you know, if I, if I go through without getting defeated, uh, like that's a really hard thing to do. So very few people have done it. That would get me on the speed run thing. And then I could start like worrying, worrying, worrying about like shortening my time, but I just got it. And the Mike Tyson fight was going so perfectly. And then one thing went wrong and it's the Mike Tyson fight. So of course it just went bad enough that I lost. It was very frustrating, but that's, uh, that was a good episode of, of, Grubber Lang's Punch Out, which you can watch on the site. And of course, we got stuff like Blight Club. Uh, the, the, today, as we're recording this, uh, we're going to be playing uh, Sonic 06. Dan's going to be playing. I'm going to be making fun of him. I'm just nice. going to be ordering lunch and enjoying myself while he's playing a miserable game, which I, I don't know if, when's the last time you guys played Sonic 06 or if you've ever played it. Oh, that man. game is so much worse than people even make it out to be. It yeah. is so bad. And it's it's lovely to watch Dan suffer. So stuff like that. And then uh, voicemail dump truck and UPF and, and things like that. So tune in. Just twitch.tv slash giant bomb. You'll be able to find our stuff or just go to giantbomb.com. Giantbomb.com. Home of the Giant Bomb cast, um, which I don't know if you've checked these charts, Jeff, but we are absolutely destroying the bombcast in some uh, very specific markets. A, the, this is <laughs> very specific <laughs> markets. Uh, the way in they Northern count Islands. those things, it's all just about what's hot right now. It's oh, like yeah. these legacy giants like the giant bombcast. It's unfair to them. Oh, you've only done like 780 episodes or however long it's been, so... Um, yeah, but, but, was it, we're, but yeah, 780, yeah, so it's going to be 800 here pretty soon. Ridiculous. Absol- ab- absolutely absurd. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Jeff. As always... A pleasure, and thank you for having us on Giant Bomb so yeah. frequently. Yeah, thanks, boys. I, I appreciate it. You guys really. Uh, when I am putting together Game Mess mornings, I try to check Video Game Chronicle last because if I if I go there first, all, it would just all be you guys. It would be an all you because you guys <laughs> you guys are comprehensive, and I I appreciate it. And it's um it is the news the video game news site that I imagine would be on there when I like first started doing this. I'm like I, this is what I'm looking for, and then for a couple of years there, it got pretty grim in terms of looking for video game news and then video games chronicle popped up and it's like okay finally someone's doing it the way that it should be done so thanks boys mm-hmm. for for all your hard work i really appreciate it what an endorsement thank You're you very much um we'll be back next week we might be back later this week depending on what's going on that's all i can say but next week we will certainly be back with another fantastic guest I mean, it's currently scheduled to be this this weird independent outlet that we referenced earlier. Kind of, kind of funny. I'm not sure they seem to just react to Marvel movies, but we might have one of those chaps on next week. 
who's to say you can follow us on twitter me at jordan midler andy at andy platonic and jeff at jeff grub say goodbye andy goodbye andy say goodbye jeff goodbye jeff and it's goodbye from me and we will see you next week vgc a video games podcast is a stack production and part of the acast creator network 